listen up. The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in this podcast belong solely to the podcast participants and not to any participants, employer, organization, committee, or other group or individual. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. You know, for fun. So lighten up and enjoy. Now stopping, Jen, I need to clarify something. Oh, I see. I did my favorite thing and muted you before, and you tried I to know. speak and you were unmuted. Now, um, I need to clarify something. Yeah. This episode is not for entertainment purposes only. It is for educational purposes. Oh. We are going to be talking about something very important. Would you like to know what? <laughs> yes. Global vaccine equity. Oh, my goodness. Right. And on the podcast to talk to us is Risa Silverman, a community leader and a public health educator who is, in, who is involved in a fundraiser for the people for global vaccine equity. Now, as usual, I have lots of questions about all of this, and we are going to dig deep. Are you ready? Yeah. Are you sure? Um, yeah. Roll up your sleeve, swab your arm, and get ready, swab for, my a, arm. Get oh. ready for a dose of important information. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, here we go. Creamy, delicious ideas without the creepy truck. Stomping Jen, we're going to talk about vaccine equity across the globe. I think we're going to have to change to this music. Why? Because you sing every episode now. It fills my heart with joy. You know what else fills my heart with joy? What is that? Talking to experts. And we're going to say hello to our expert here, um, Risa Silverman. Hello, Risa. Oh, she's muted. Oh, here. good grief. I um, <laughs> He muted everybody. He was mute happy tonight. Yeah, I am just <laughs> mute happy left and right. Thank you, Stomping oh, Jen. Let's God. try again. Hello, yes. Risa. Go ahead, Risa. Hello. It's very nice to be here. Thank you for joining us. Um when I heard that you were involved with this fundraiser for global vaccine equity, I really wanted to talk to you and help you get the word out about this, um, because I I think it's really important what you're doing. Um, but before we dive into all of that, I just wanted to give you an opportunity just to tell us maybe a little bit more about yourself. I I tend to give the 20,000-foot view of people and maybe leave out important details when I do introductions. So just tell us about yourself. All right. Let's see. Um, uh, I have been working in public health since high school um, because I've always been thinking healthcare is a right. And so that's sort of my background sort of professionally. Um, And that's what I've been doing, I guess, ever since that. It's like late 80s. and I'm a 
community organizer and I work at UMass. Uh, so I'm in Western Massachusetts and I just um, been going through the COVID like everybody else and wondering what my role is um, because I work in public health and as we all know, public health having its the limelight, but uh, it sort of brought me to this moment where I, I'm working on this project with other people and it's really fun and, and educational for me as well. Can I ask you what got you interested in public health when you were in high school? That seems like a real young age to kind of grab onto a, a lifelong interest. And I'm curious about that. That's a good question. So in high school, I was sick of high school. And so they had something <laughs> called, I think it was called creative studies, where you could not be in high school and you could do something in the community. And I happened to have three aunts and uncles who worked at Planned Parenthood in downtown Philadelphia. So that was sort of, I was, so I heard about that. My uncle was an OBGYN and my and his wife was an options counselor. And my other uncle was a phys ed teacher and he did options counseling. Anyway, so I got to work in the development office at Planned Parenthood and I got to meet all these great women and I stuffed envelopes and we used to have envelopes stuff and put stamps on things. And I just loved it. Um, and so I think that was where I was like, oh, health, public health, Planned Parenthood, women's health. It all just made sense. And it, I think there's a lot of justice in it that I really am attracted to. Hmm. That's interesting. Um, and as a public health educator, uh, what what do you do? What do what do you focus on? So, right now, I do a different kind of public health. So I could. So I started off by working as a staff assistant in Planned Parenthood when I got out of college, mm -hmm. and then I worked as a secretary in a health clinic, and then I actually worked for CISO, which is Community Involved in Sustaining Agriculture, mm -hmm. when it first started, which everybody was like 25 years ago, and I was a participatory evaluator. So I got my master's in public health, and then I did CISO work. Um, so as a public health educator, I like the community organizing aspect. So I like bringing people together and coming up with ideas that we would never have if we weren't together. Mm, so is that, does that involve teaching workshops, bringing people in to solve problems that are facing a community, that kind of, that kind of stuff? Such a good question. So public health is a lot of different things. Mm -hmm. um, so I always lean towards the democratic education part of public health where we don't know the best answer to a health problem. We have to ask people what they think the problem is. So that's sort of my angle. Um, so I don't do a lot of content trainings and stuff, but I do teach one class on community development and health education where I talk about different skills you can use to bring people together. And I, um, I've heard you talk about public health in a number of different contexts um, before uh, this conversation. And one of, one of the things that I've heard you say over and over again, that um, one of the keys to public health education um, is reaching the right people and communicating effectively. Um, is, that, is that an ethos that kind of underlies all of what you do in public health education? I'd say you and I, our experience, because we've worked together, COVID-related issues, communication is key during a pandemic. Okay. And um, so it's not really my specialty, but it's it's what public health should specialize in, is always communicating clearly with a good message to the right people at the right time. So 
I guess what I'm, I'm a generalist, so I sort of skirt the edges of different aspects of public health. So, okay, and um, you and we've mentioned it a couple of times here. The big public health crisis we're all facing right now is this um, this COVID nineteen stomping gen, this pandemic, mm-hmm. right? And uh, one of the one of the things that has recently happened is this vaccine has become available, and people. Oh, there's more than one. Right. Um, Three vaccines, I believe, right? Maybe four? Maybe four. The, Maybe four. There's several in the world. Yeah. And um, while, we're, um, while we're doing a relatively decent job here in this country of starting to get people vaccinated, that's not the case across the world. And that's one of the reasons we're here to talk. Um, before we dive into that, though, I just wanted to... Um, talk a little bit just about what a vaccine is, because I think there could be people who listen to this who might not exactly know what a vaccine is. Like, they know they should get it. They know people are telling them to get it, but they may not know what it is and, like, what it does. So I just wanted to cover that real quick. Um, And I don't know if you could just help fill us in on the details there, Risa. So I was thinking about what part I could explain easily, and I think The reason why vaccination is so important is when we are mostly vaccinated, meaning herd immunity is the term a lot of us hear, the virus can't mutate very well because it doesn't have anywhere to go. Hmm. So the whole idea for all of us is get as many people vaccinated so we can slow the virus down and it can't mutate because if it keeps mutating, then our, our vaccines will not work anymore. Um, and the other thing about the vaccine is it prevents major disease and death. It protects all our health workers and it protects the most vulnerable people everywhere. And then it doesn't overburden our health system. So it makes overall a milder disease for, for the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What? Do you have anything to add to that? What? I don't time? know anything about vaccines. Okay. <laughs> so I have nothing to add to that. I'm sorry. Yep. And the, the fundraiser that that we're here to talk about um, is is on May 1st, 2021. And that, that date wasn't picked arbitrarily, right? Can you tell us a little bit about the importance of that date? You're right. So originally we thought we'll do it on May the 1st because that's the day that the Biden administration said everyone in the United States would have access to an appointment to get a vaccination. And it just so happens we're beating that timeline because by April 19th, everyone hopefully is eligible in the United States. Right. And um, so tell us about the fundraiser that we're doing here um, and why you decided we needed to do this fundraiser. Okay. Well, so um, going back to some of your earlier question, I usually work really hyper-locally. Like I usually work in my town or region or county. So I, I'm even like struck by myself, like, why are we working? I'm working on something globally. But I really think that it was such an opportunity for all of us to connect our experience with the vaccine world to, to, the, to the globe. Um, because we're all at risk unless no one's at risk with this pandemic. So it really connects us, which is, it's just, it's remarkable how it connects us. So the project came about really serendipitously, which I did look up that word in order to say (laughs) it right. Um, And uh, 
I do like that word, but I never use it. Um, so I kept seeing everyone's glee when they were getting vaccinated, like on Facebook, it was everywhere and social media, people were so happy and they were getting their vaccine. So I was thinking originally, wouldn't it be great if everyone could make a small donation towards the rest of humanity um, who aren't yet able to get vaccinated because there's not enough vaccine and poorer countries don't have access to it, which I assume we'll get to. Um, so um, wait, what was your original question? Stumping Jen, what the heck did I ask? <laughs> um, uh, to tell us about the, the, the fundraiser. fundraiser and why, okay. why, um, why you decided to do it. Okay. Yeah. Um, all right. So, uh, so I put the idea on Facebook. There's just this brainstorm and I wanted to see what people thought because could we somehow magically create an app where people could sit after they get vaccinated and they're waiting their 15 minutes that they could just spend, you know, put $10 in an app and it would go to support global vaccination. Um, so people liked the idea, quote unquote, and um, some mm -hmm. people wanted to get together and talk about it. So I was like, all right, let's see how this goes. And then someone said, how about a fundraiser? Because I wasn't thinking of an event at first. Um, so we decided we would open up a way for people to make donations. And then we would culminate in this event on May the 1st. Um, and uh, so then it was a matter of, well, how, who are we going to fundraise for? And... I learned about the people's vaccine, which we could talk about a little bit later, but that's like a coalition of many groups all over the world trying to figure out a way to address the barriers to global vaccine equity. Yeah, we're definitely going to talk about that. Um, and before, before we dive into that and the particulars of the, the fundraiser event, um, I was looking over some of the statistics around global vaccination for COVID-19, and I was just I was shocked. Um, like, how how on earth are we in a situation where globally seventy six percent of all of these vaccines have gone to just ten countries, with um, at least thirty countries not having had any vaccine at all? Like, how does that happen? Right. <clears throat> so, the issue of capitalism and the profit margin and pharmaceutical companies um, and patents. Patents are a really big part mm -hmm. of the problem um, because the pharmaceutical companies are generally, there's a lot of public dollars that go to them while they're doing the research and development. Um, but there's the issue of a big profit margin. So poorer countries without access to the cash that the first world countries have really makes it a big obstacle. Patents. So I didn't even think about this. Yeah, Can go we ahead. just talk about this for a second? Yeah. Because that's what the fundraiser is about, right? Mm -hmm. So we're talking about this idea of global vaccination equity. Right. And I don't think that I have until just now put that together, that there are countries out there that don't have cash for the vaccination so there's for a their people, right? Right, right. Yeah, can I can I quote somebody here? This is a good opportunity to do this. Do you know who Jonas Salk is, Stomping Jen? Um, I have heard the name before. He is the creator of the polio vaccine. Yes, and, that's why I've heard. Right, and somebody somebody asked him right once who owned his discovery, who owned his vaccine. Do you know what he said? Everybody. He said the people. Yeah. He said there is no patent. Could you patent the sun? 
Is that what he said? That's exactly what he said. That is a quote. Now, what? This is an outrage that people in um, developing countries across the world don't have access to this vaccine because of these patents. Well, it's like the. Sorry, I I know I'm going to keep repeating myself, but like you know, like I get like the New York Times and the Boston Globe and the CNN, and like they talk about all these countries vaccinating Israel, and they talk about these big countries, and then and like. I never put it together. I'm going to keep saying that over and over again. Well, let me read some more statistics for you. Yeah, read some statistics. 83% of shots that have gone into arms worldwide have been administered in high and upper middle income countries, and only 0.1% of doses have been administered in low income countries. Like, what are low income countries? Do we have examples or no? Yeah, there is a New York Times article called the um, the Vaccine Tracker. It's a live site where they update all of this, right? And I'm going to have the link to that okay. in the show notes. Mm-hmm. And so you can go on there and look and see um, what, those, what the New York Times defines as those lower income countries are. But I imagine they are determined based on what their GDP or something like that. Um, some capitalist economic parameter. Um, but that is, that is crazy. And it really, it points out the, the striking divide, right? And you can see it, uh, this divide even based on continents, right? Um, another fact here is that, um, Africa has the slowest vaccination rate of any continent, um, with many of its countries yet, to even start a vaccine campaign. Um, so what, what I'm hearing yeah. is that it's really important to get these fundraiser dollars into the hands of people who can help these other countries. And especially like how privileged are we in America that there are people who have access to vaccinations and don't even want to get it because they have some cockamamie idea about what it could do to them. Yeah. Vaccine hesitancy. Yes. Right. And that's a privileged position to have. Could you could you shed any light on that, Risa? Yes, I will shed a little bit because in terms of pub- my public health hat, yeah. um, someone corrected me when I said hesitancy and they said vaccine resident re- readiness. Re- because it is important to think it is a new vaccine. It's normal to wonder about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we have I think it's important to make room for people like that. I mean, I think the overall privilege is that we think we get the vaccine and we can do whatever we want. And first of all, that isn't true. Um, but second of all, there's so many people in the world who are still getting COVID by like there's 90% of ICUs are filled in many parts of the world right now. And also in the United States, the rates has gone up 30%. All that to say, I like to, with public health, we try not be judgmental. So hesitancy sounds like Uh, We're judging communities for being hesitant, but really we should own the fact that it is new. And, you know, in in, like a lot of people I know who were hesitant are now getting it. So even within a month or two, I think people Mm -hmm. are opening up. It's interesting. In a lot of the contexts I've heard that term vaccine hesitancy, it's more around political belief Mm -hmm. and maybe Mm -hmm. um, that's the, 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 the punditry, the media punditry kind of mm-hmm. seizing on that concept and 
twisting it to their own means. Well, there's um, like that guy yeah. who owns some gym down in New Jersey mm-hmm. who like he is uh, restricting people who have been vaccinated to enter his gym because he says his claim is that it somehow changes your RNA and mm, it's contagious wow. or some really, really off the wall kind of frightening. Um, statement. So it sounds like fear and misinformation are um, enemies of science, public mm. health initiatives. Yes. yes, yes, misinformation for sure. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Um, now, how thinking back to the the global problem of under vaccination, um, so in these in these uh, lower income countries, as this New York Times article defines them, um, how does the global vaccine equity initiative aim to begin to to fix these these inequities? So, I mean, I think my overall purpose with all my friends who are doing this with me is to just show a little bit of solidarity because this is a huge problem and there is um the world health organization is involved in covax you might have heard is their way their low way of reaching low-income communities with vaccine Mm -hmm. so there's it's just a trickle of the vaccines that are needed in the countries that um you were just talking about but it's something Um, so I really felt it was important to make our connection more than anything, because it's such a big problem. We're not going to raise millions of dollars, et cetera, but we're also educating people because when you um, want to donate money, you can see the four organizations we chose. Many of them are involved in the people's vaccine campaign. Um, And one of them is a small organization. It isn't, but um, it's really good because you can customize where you, Put your dollars. So it means you can look up the organization and see what they do and learn a little bit more uh, about the advocacy. And a lot of it is about that advocacy um, around the, um, the, the something called a TRIPS waiver, which the United States um, is obstructing. The waiver would be about that patent waiver. So a lot of countries are ready to waive the patents, but uh, the rich countries, including the United States, are not letting that happen. So that's still in play. And so a couple of organizations are working on advocacy around that. Mm. And I just want to mention um, the donations, right? Uh, and I, I will include the link um, to donate um, both Great. Um, in my social media posts and in the in the podcast show notes. Um, they go to um, awesome. these, these four organizations. You ready, Stomping Jen? Mm-hmm. Justice is Global. Mm-hmm. Oxfam America, Right to Health in Action, and Public Citizen. And I think it's the Oxfam America, which is linked with the People's Vaccine Initiative. I think they're they're sponsoring that. Um, now, here's a question. I want to talk a little bit about these patents, right? Because I think people... There are people listening to this who might think, well, pharmaceutical companies deserve to own these patents, right? Um, they deserve to be able to make money off of their products. What do we say to that? How do we, how do we counter those questions? Or how do we answer them? We, maybe we don't even counter them, but how do we answer those questions? 
I mean, I think in general, it is that they should be able to cover their costs and they should make a reasonable profit, but they shouldn't make an unreasonable profit. Um, and I think that that's the critical part. So I think they gave an example that Pfizer is selling uh, two doses of the vaccine for $39, which is around an 80% profit margin. So that puts it like way beyond the reach of any country, but the wealthiest countries. So um, I think that that's just an example of they don't need to make an 80% profit. <laughs> Clearly. So $40 for two doses represents an 80% profit. That's crazy to me. Mm-hmm. Like, cause I feel like I would pay, like I, you know, I feel like I would pay that for two doses and they're making a huge, they're making that much profit off of that. I guess what I'm saying is they could be charging 40%. I mean, um, 80% $20. less for that. Yeah. What what is right. your question? You're looking at me like <laughs> I, I'm saying I've been so bamboozled by the healthcare system that I think forty dollars for okay. that series of shots is a great deal. I'd open up my wallet and put two twenties on the table and say, "Give me a shot." And I am shocked to learn that that represents an eighty percent profit. Yeah. Well, because there's like not probably not a lot of compound in there, right? Right. It's probably mostly water. Right. Or I mean, something. I don't know. I, I know. We're not scientists. We're not scientists. We're, not, scientist. we're not even going to pretend to be scientists. Um, but, but we know that the pharmaceuticals make a lot of money. Right. We don't see any poor ones. <laughs> right. I mean, I think, like, sorry, from, you know, I have to put my my management hat on for two seconds, right? So, like, how many. I'm going to come across this table at you because no, no, no. I am riled I'm just, up. Go ahead. I'm just saying, like, so you think about the development of any kind of a drug or a vaccination or something, right? So they're paying people, lots of people, and they're spending lots and lots and lots of money. So this is the argument, right? That Including they, public the, research that's the, dollars. The R&D part of it, right? So that they're they're so doing all this research Sponsored by taxpayers. So they get something. I'm just, I'm just trying to make people understand how these things work from a business perspective, right? Then once, I mean, really, once it's developed, right, they have they, they want to recoup their costs, right? Quote unquote recoup their costs or whatever. But um but what I'm hearing Risa say is that you are saying forty dollars is like here you go, that's nothing. But to another country or low mm-hmm. income, that's a lot of money. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um and we're so con- <laughs> and we're so conditioned right. to these outrageous marked up prices that I think that that's a good idea. What? $40. But like then you <laughs> then you think about it, right? Like I yeah. didn't have to pay. You didn't have to pay. No one paid for the, a vaccination. Yeah. Who paid for it? The, the government. government paid we for did it. pay for it. The government paid for it. We are the government. We fund the government. Okay. We paid for it as a people, as a collective good, right? Right, mm-hmm. and I think that's part of part of what we're trying to accomplish here, right? Is that um, these vaccines should be made available to the to the people, to everyone right. in the world at and no cost? Now, I want to read another wait, wait, quote. Wait, but go then ahead. Just to go back to what Risa said earlier about herd immunity, right? Like. 
what is the cost to the people if we don't have everybody vaccinated? Because then when you have people running around who are countries that are not vaccinated, then it mutates and then it comes back around and then the vaccinations are ineffective. So it really, it behooves from a public health perspective, yeah. it behooves our entire globe to get vaccinated. Say behooves and, to, and to focus them onto the most vulnerable people right? Um, in the world. So. Right. Right, That's exactly. Yeah. I want to read another quote. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> just your look on your face. <laughs> I like quotes. All right, the UN Secretary General, Antonio Gutierrez, has said this, I'm quoting, at this critical moment, vaccine equity is the biggest moral test before the global community. And he adds... A COVID-19 vaccine must be seen as a global public good. I just said that. A people's vaccine. Did I not? I think I you must did, be General did, Antonio <laughs> Guterres. Are you going to be the next UN General Secretary? Wait, I'm going to whip off my mask. <laughs> Pleased to meet you, um, Secretary General. All right. Anyways, this no, is a serious topic. No, I, no but I think... I think I support that. Yeah, I do. Definitely. Right. Um, so, and I, I go back to that quote I read earlier by Jonas Salk, where when somebody asked him who owned his vaccine, and he was like, what the hell are you talking about? The world owns it. Mm -hmm. Why don't we think this way anymore? What has happened to us? I mean, we are facing a deadly global pandemic. Millions of people have died. Mm -hmm. um, millions more would likely die and will die without this vaccine. Um, and if these variants are allowed to run rampant across the world, what has happened to us? Why don't As we think? People? Yeah, why don't we think like Jonas Salk? Why don't we think like um, the UN Secretary General Antonio Gutierrez? Do you have any any thoughts about that from a, a public health history perspective, Risa? Like, how did we get to this place? Well, I mean, it's the free market in healthcare. Like, healthcare should is a human right, but we don't treat it that way in our country anyway. Um, it's like, you know, the market forces dictate. And I was just talking to a friend who needs a lot of dental work and he can't afford the dental work. Um, so, I mean, we just don't see healthcare as a right. Um, and I think that's a huge part of the problem. So late stage capitalism, you know, the whole mm -hmm. thing it really affects. I mean, I think Jonas Locke was, he might've been unique even in his time. Yeah. I was going to say you're using him as an example, but you don't really know the mindset of the public. That's one person. What public? Whatever time period Jonas Locke lived in. What I believe that? that was the 40s, 40s or 50s, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 I don't think the world was much, much different back then. I don't know. What were the pharmaceutical companies like back then? You know, maybe yeah. they weren't like these huge, massive. I mean, I mean they couldn't have There been, was only, right? only one drug back then, penicillin. Well, and radium, right? <laughs> penicillin and radium. That's all they had. <laughs> to shoot you off with radiation. <laughs> <laughs> So it is, well, I mean, we, you know, the United States also, like, I feel like we talk about equity only when it's convenient because, you know, 
I feel like in the last few years, we've been a little bit humbled, <laughs> but we're still, we're like, we're going to vaccinate everyone first. And we're actually going to buy enough vaccines to vaccinate people three times over. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, we do give a little bit of money to that COVAX effort, you know, a couple billion dollars, but we should be giving more than that. Um, so, and I just, so, you know, just for another fact, the who um, in the spring of 2020, they put together a whole equitable allocation framework um, and they prioritized who should be prioritized, but the vaccine ended up being distributed to the highest bidder. Mm. And that's what happened. So Mm -hmm. the world health organization said that they, they provided a framework. Yeah. Yeah. And then whatever happened, happened anyway. I think, right? right. That's what so I So the highest bidder got all the vaccine. So Mike Ryan is, so the WHO does these like twice weekly updates yeah. and I listen to them whenever I can. Yeah, they're, they're really good. They're very down to earth. So Mike Ryan is one of the doctors who's always on it. And he just, I mean, echoing what you just said, the what the uh, secretary general said, mm-hmm. is the vaccines aren't in the right places and they're not going to the right people. And he just said it two days ago and he said it like, they say it so frequently, but the power, it's like we don't have the power in the right places sometimes to make right. the moral right decision. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And when you hear about so many doses of vaccine in this country going unused or getting thrown away um, because they're spoiled or something, it's just a... It's a a tragedy, right? Because that means potentially lives lost elsewhere. Mm -hmm. Um, So this People's Vaccine Alliance, I want to talk about them a little bit, um, which the fundraiser that Risa is sponsoring um, is helping to support. Um, They want to make sure that vaccines are produced rapidly at scale and made available for all people in all countries free of charge, right? This goes back to, um, we want to see what's happened here with, um, you know, our own government uh, buying these doses of vaccine and providing them to people free of charge. We want to see this happen and reflected across the world in an equitable way. Yes. And they have some simple demands, these People's Alliance. I'm going to read them. Okay, they 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 have a um, they have a game plan, right? Some goals. Maybe we can talk about these. Um, they want to make sure the vaccine is purchased at true cost prices and provided free of charge to people. Now, when I hear this, what that means to me is nobody wants to bankrupt the pharmaceutical companies, right? They want to they wanna buy the vac- these, these important vaccines for what they cost. So nobody is saying that the pharmaceutical companies have to make this stuff for free and just give it out. Am I, is my interpretation of this right, Risa? Yeah, I think totally. Nobody wants that, yeah. That they would get their costs covered. They would make a reasonable profit, I think, is the plan. Right. And if governments... Right, are struggling um, to be able to afford purchasing these things at cost. That's where um, that's where assistance from wealthier nations can come into play, and that's where 
awareness like you're doing, Risa, and fundraisers like you're doing can assist this initi- initiative. Okay. Yeah. And I think it, like you said, you know, it is raising our awareness, right? Like just to, we really are in it together and, and it's not just um, a moral thing. It's an economic thing, which I always hate saying because that's true about so many things. It's always good for all of us to help each other. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. I, I mean, it hurts me to hear you say you hate saying having to say that it's a moral thing because it's like the most important part of this in my mind. And like, we're so conditioned now to, I think, um, feel like we're doing something wrong when we want to invoke the moral argument. Right. Like, I think that I just, I think that is the most important argument, right? It's like what this action I'm going to take, how, how might it hurt or benefit somebody versus what's, you know, what does this cost in dollars? I don't know. Am I wrong stomping, Jen? I don't Risa. Know. <laughs> well, part of what I was saying is it's, we always have to say, well, there's an economic reason to do this also. And that, you know, it should just be just the moral reason is good enough. But truly, our world economies are not going to, we're all linked that way too. We all know that. And so that's a good point. This is an economic decision. It, it should be, but the, we, I feel like in our country, we sort of are very short sighted and we're me first. Mm-hmm. And somebody even wrote that on the Facebook, like nobody wrote anything negative except one person who's like, well, we have to, I want, uh, we all need to get vaccinated first. Mm. So, uh, I shouldn't get vaccinated before a healthcare worker in another country. I'm not doing healthcare work right. on the front lines. So, hmm. I mean, did they have any any substantive argument other than a thought that we like? I'm just curious, like if you were able, if the if there was a dialogue or an exchange where we were able to understand this person's position. I chose not to have a dialogue. With them. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna yeah <laughs> on Facebook. Yeah, yeah. This is this is for not having Facebook arguments. <laughs> I fully support that. No, I'm just curious. Um, you know, stomping Jen, I have been accused of standing on soapboxes um, in the past and shouting moral arguments until I'm blue in the face. So to me, it is the most important and often the only argument to make. So I'm just, um, I'm just shocked that, that other people don't see it that way sometimes. That's all. Um, all right, so we talked about the, the cost of vaccines, and we've established here that, that pharmaceutical companies, um, by selling these things for what they cost to make, aren't going to lose money, and that's, that's okay. Um, now, on the People's Vaccine Initiative here, they also want to prevent monopolies on vaccine um, and treatment production. Does anybody have any insight on what that means? Can you say it again? Uh, they want to prevent monopolies on vaccine and treatment production. Yeah. I think that goes to the patent. Patent stuff. So yeah. that, and they actually, I heard that that's how the flu vaccine or is always created. It's like there's some global communication that every scientist is doing all year long to figure out the next flu um, formula. 
yeah. in the vaccine. So we have a model for it. Okay. Now I want somebody to fact check me on this, but I, I, I re, um, I reject monopolies. What? First of all, let me say that. Not the board game, Stomping Jet. Yeah, Monopolies. The no, there's a precedent here. Let me tell you something. Um, I believe Elon Musk, who is the um, owner of Tesla, who makes those electric cars, um, early on published the manufacturing blueprints and the specifications for his electric engines and gave them to his competitors and said, the global good of me making these um, these patents available to all of you outweighs me holding on to them. Right? And so he just gave them away. Mm. And if it wasn't him, it was somebody else. But I think it was well, him. It's this whole idea that if like you're trying to build the future... Mm. And innovation yes. comes from collaboration and you hold something secret. Somebody else might have the key to unlock the secret of the thing you're working on. And if you hold it to your chest and you don't put it out there. And th this is part of, I believe what um, Biden forced uh, some of these pharmaceutical companies to do with this uh, defense production act. Right. Uh -huh. He said, he said, um, you know, screw you, Pfizer, or whoever it was. I don't think he said screw you. We're, he did. <laughs> and we're going we're gonna to take, we are going to take your vaccine, and I'm going to go over here to your competitor, and we're going to have your competitor make it, because we need so much vaccine that, you know. They have all the equipment. Right. But my point is, why do we have to force them to do that? Why do they have to be cajoled into doing that? Again- because they're capitalist companies, and they report to their shareholders. I can't handle this conversation. Do you well, have a sound for capitalism? Do you no. Yes. Where's the ching <laughs> money? No. Where's the ching? I mean, that's really that's the whole our whole country's business model. I mean, the whole that's what it is. Okay. It's, I'm a company. I created this thing. I want to get paid for this thing. I now am a public company. I have to report to my shareholders. We are facing a global emergency. This is what we're talking about, Sawtooth Frank. You set aside those values and to help people. Right. Why can't these companies do it? This is why I support the People's Vaccine Alliance. Okay. So I know another argument why. Yes. <laughs> is it would uh, stamp out innovation. If they weren't going to make a lot of money, um, they wouldn't be so creative and, and give us, you know, new things that we need and stuff. I've heard that argument. I'm not making it. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to go back to Elon Musk, right? Yeah. Uh, this guy innovates as, the, as long as the day is, and he gave away these patents. Okay. Right? All I'm saying is being generous and helping people doesn't curb your innovation. Right, but everybody doesn't believe that. All right. And there's no there's no stopping it, right? So like we're not going to solve this issue because people are people, people bullshit. Are, we're not getting off here till we solve it. Oh my gosh. Go ahead. And please. people are tribal. We know this. These are all like ingrained you know, anthropological cultural, societal 
Well, we could socialize medicine. Right. I mean, we could change these things, of course, but, uh, you know, I'm just, you can't just wave your pencil and hit the soundboard and well, it will go away. So I think the thing that we can do is focus on what's in front of us, which is, you know, what Risa and her friends have done, which is put together a fundraiser. Right. And I'll just say, I think the People's Vaccine <laughs> Alliance recognizes this, right? Yes. Because they're, one of their other demands, right, is just to ensure that the vaccine is available at affordable prices. All right. Short of changing the world, we can agree that that is a reasonable demand. Sure. Yes. Right, that the People's Vaccine Alliance is making. Yes. Um, now, Risa, you mentioned this. This is right on their list of demands. Um, implement fair allocation of the vaccine that prioritizes health workers and other at-risk groups in all countries. Right? Yes. So, um, you know, before we before we move on to uh, people here in the United States who have a BMI of 25, mm -hmm. maybe we should make sure that healthcare mm -hmm. workers in, um, on the African continent are being vaccinated. Yep. Yeah, it seems like a no-brainer if, if, we, if we were organized a little bit more. Right. Yeah. All right, so that's a, that's a demand, and we support that demand. Um, okay, this next demand, I'm going to read this, okay? Ensure full participation of governments in developing countries, as well as civil society from north and south, in decision-making for and about the vaccines and other COVID-19 technologies, and ensure transparency and accountability of all decisions. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. I, help me understand. I think this means that... Um, the richest countries in the world shouldn't be the ones making the decisions about how we handle this COVID-19 problem globally. I think that's what that means. It's saying get everybody involved. Right. But everybody doesn't mean the United States. It means everyone. Right. Right. You like this demand? <laughs> Do we like this demand? The other thing they've been saying is COVAX, which is the worldwide effort to get to low-income countries, isn't very transparent. Mm. Tell us so a little bit about this COVAX. So they, um, it's it's the way that uh, all the governments in the world are trying to distribute some vaccine to the lower-income countries. But they're making deals with pharmaceutical companies, but they're not open about it, so nobody knows exactly what the deals are. Hmm. So, um, but and so some people refer to Covax as a vaccine like brand, but it's not. It's like a the program. Mm -hmm. um, I think the more I hear about this Covax, I don't like it. You have to have um, transparency. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Seems fishy. It stands for COVID-19 Vaccines Global Access. So. All right. Um, boy, this is a big question, but I'm going to ask it. 
And I think we, I know the answer to this. Um, what role does politics play in public health education and people getting vaccinated? So if you know the answer, we don't have to answer it, right? <laughs> I'm curious about your thoughts. Are administrations important? Like, would we be in a worse place globally, do you think, if was still president? Come on, man. That is me. Definitely, definitely. Do you want me definitely. to do you want me to go back and beep that out? I can. He who must not be named. Come on, man. I'm gonna go beep it back out. Beep it back out. Yeah. Come on, man. I mean, I think we're definitely in it. We're, yeah, we're in a much better place than we would be. Um, and I think that the Biden administration has a lot of decent policies. But they can't undo all of the competition and free market capitalism. Well, they could, but they're not doing that. So, so I think we still are an obstacle in terms of getting the distribution to be more equitable. Right. And the divisive political forces in this country play a role, right? Because Biden has said, I'm going to get N number of United States citizens vaccinated in the first hundred days or whatever it is. And, you know, they're thinking about making sure they hit that goal um, before the midterms come around or whatever. Right. Mm -hmm. Like they're playing that, um, that U S national political calculus before they're thinking about benefiting um, people um, outside of our country and, uh, and on another continent. Yes. Bingo. Yeah. And Jonas Salk is rolling over in his grave. He's not happy. This is BS. I don't like this. Well, it's like all his short-term thinking, which, you know, I feel like is what all our politics is. Because if you did the long-term thinking, mm-hmm. you would distribute them equitably because that's the only way to kick the pandemic. Right. It's just like, it's so, it's there. It's, it's the facts. But we don't do that. We're like, well, we'll vaccinate everyone in our country because it'll make us all feel good. Um, makes and us we can happy. move and, freely about our borders, so, yeah. but then they don't, you know. Yeah. Hmm. I'm still struggling with how would we get people to care about this, right? We do events. We raise awareness. Right. So tell us. Now. Tell us about this event. What do you tell us about the fundraiser? What is this going to look like? So, and I like to be clear, like a fundraiser is on now. People can donate anytime. Yeah. Um, but and then is there going to be an actual like event? Somebody can log yes. on and do something. Okay. Yeah. Tell us about that. Truly. So on May first, for one hour, seven to eight p.m. Eastern time, uh, we're going to have it'll be more like educational and entertaining too. So we have musicians and poets who are donating um, some of their performances, hmm. uh, and I can tell you about them a little bit. Yeah, and then I'd love to hear have, that. Um, we have speakers from the organizations we're fundraising for. Um, and so like one example is um, Tamika is going to come. She's from India. She um, she is an organizer for Right to Health Action. So they have people all over the country doing or all over the world doing organizing. And she's going to tell her own family story and also what Right to Health Action is trying to do. Um, so we're going to have a few speakers like that. And uh, Phil Straub is the uh, MC. He's a DJ on WRSI. He also works at Bay State Franklin as a radiology technician. So he's got that. Mm. So it'll be really lively. <laughs> um, 
yeah, and so we really, I think it'll raise awareness and build excitement for like trying to reach our goal, our fundraising goal. What is your fundraising goal? So we set it at $10,000. Okay. And we're about a third of the way there. So Great. that feels good. And definitely, you know, hoping that people, you know, will do small and large donations, whatever works for them. Because part of me was like, if everyone donated $10, you know, part of it is the number of donors as mm-hmm. much as the amount we raise to um, just to show a little bit of solidarity. Do you have anybody doing matching? So we don't have that no. happening yet. Um, but we've been talking about that idea. Mm-hmm. So open to brainstorming that mm-hmm. um like yeah exactly how to do that yeah you mentioned um you might have some musicians and yes. poets we've got the expandable brass band um hmm. they're um based in the pioneer valley they're an activist street band and they're really fun um leo wang, wang i don't know how i see h-w-a-n-g is a poet um and he's going to do a piece. And then Pete Newland, I don't know if people know the band Fat, which mm-hmm. is really uh, famous locally, um, but he, he's known nationally too. So he's going to um, play a song. And he also started a Facebook page to thank healthcare workers. Oh. So he's going to talk about that a little bit. Um, so, and he's got like different famous musicians, like dedicating a song to healthcare workers and stuff. And um, Rui Santos is from Cape Verde, and he's a reggae musician, uh, and he's going to perform. And Michelle Wilson is an award-winning blues vocalist, and Nicole Young is a poet in uh, the Pioneer Valley who is going to read some poetry. So that's our lineup so far. Cool. Um, Yeah. That's a great lineup. Yeah, Nicole's hooked up with the Tack Bear Press. Nicole Young. The Press. Tack Bear Press. Why, why don't you tell people oh, about yeah. that? I don't need to. No, I'm just <laughs> kidding. Okay. Tell us about Attack Bear Press since you mentioned it. What is it? They're just a local. We've had um, Jason Montgomery and um, mm. uh, on a few times. He is one of the co-founders. And how is that? How is this connected to Attack Nicole Bear Press? Nicole Young is connected to Attack Bear Press. Okay. Sorry. I think. Yes? No. Uh, maybe. Yeah. That sounds... So I have a question for you. Bob. Yeah. So I'm trying to think of a pithy name for the event. And so far I've come up with global vaccine equity gathering. <laughs> so if you have any ideas tonight or later, let me know. What do we like? Um, spectacular. Global. I know. I love. We call music. everything a spectacular. Spectacular, spectacular. But I stole that from Moulin Rouge. The global <laughs> vaccine equity spectacular. There spectacular, you have it. Spectacular. Well, I didn't know if it sounded too positive or too upbeat. You know, or like we thought of celebrate. It's not a celebration, but maybe it is okay to be spectacular anyway. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, I like that spectacular. spectacular because spectacular, spectacular. Um. You have to do it twice, though. You only do it once. No, I only do it once. You have to do it I twice. Reject, I reject using spectacular twice in any context. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, that, that, that is, a, that is a, a great lineup. And I'm going to be posting, again, a link to the Facebook event in the show notes. A night. A night. A night. A night. A night, a night for the people... For global vaccine equity. I'm glad you're struggling a little because it makes you feel better. So. There's a lot of words in there. 
I like spectacular. Yeah. I think this is going to be spectacular. Yeah, I, I mean, based on based on what I've heard in terms of the um, of the 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 talent that will be appearing uh, yeah, during the event. Yeah, you do have a great line. Yeah. Now yeah. there is a um, there is a noticeable lack of um, local podcasters, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> that's fine. Um, we can post this on our Facebook page. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, well, I think this is a great thing. Um, <laughs> the other that we're thing I, trying I'm to sorry. do here. No, please go ahead. I just want to mention that there's just a great group of volunteers who came together. We've never worked together before. And so like, we'll have a zoom meeting with two of us and then four of us. And um, just everybody's like helping where mm -hmm. they can. It's how, did pretty you, fun. how did you connect with these others? Was there a like a, a, there was a couple through Facebook and then, then I've been tapping and I'm like, so do you want to help? Do you want to help? One is my cross the street neighbor. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, completely a little bit random mm -hmm. and then tapping into people's resources with their skills they have. So mm -hmm. It's been fun. Were you surprised at the response you got? Did you have to sell this? No, I mean, I wasn't. And also it's like, is this clear enough to people? But it does seem like it. And it's nice. Like when people donate, you're like, okay, it's clear enough for them to donate. So, um, so I think it's, it says it all and people have been like finding it really easy to join in. So that feels good. I wonder, I wonder if it has anything to do with um, acknowledging how privileged we are here in this country to have access to this vaccine, but also what a total clusterfuck and shit show it was to get access to the vaccine. Like, I, I'm just wondering if that mm -hmm. anxiety around that mm -hmm. maybe resonates with people and they, and gets them maybe, it's a little easier for them to put themselves in the shoes of mm -hmm. um, people in other countries who, you know, don't have access at mm -hmm. all. Right. Like we had this temporary, you know, will I get it by May? And then there's people right. who will I get yeah. it by 2023? So. Yeah. I'm just, but I'm thinking about, you know, a month or so ago, two months ago, people were describing, you know, getting appointments like the hunger games, mm -hmm. you know, like yeah. it was people were fighting for their, you know, fighting for their access to it. And I'm just, you know, I'm not trying to upplay that, right? Again, that that sits in this bubble of privilege we've been talking about of, of having the vaccines here in the first place. But, you know, it certainly gets me thinking about it a little more deeply. But what a struggle it, you know, has has been to get access to it here. Right. I mean, and also, is that related to like the amount of glee people have when they, then they get it? It's like... I feel like would there not be as much glee expressed if it was so easy, just go to the doctor and get it and everyone could get it all on the same day. We all got it. Then maybe it wouldn't be so exhilarating. Uh, well, sorry. I just, I have to go back to the fact that we've been living like a year in a state of anxiety over this pandemic. So I think that mm -hmm. it's not so much, it's just, I think, yes, to answer your question, if we all got on the same day, I think there would still be the same amount of yeah. glee. And because it's, 
it's 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 a weight off. It's it's one step closer to this pre-pandemic normalcy that I think everybody has been struggling with. I mean, there have been so many roller coaster anxiety filled days for so many reasons during this year that we've all just lived through. And, you know, we're sort of like seeing the light at the end of the tunnel and we're still not even there. It's like, you can see it, you know, like, you know, we struggle because our kids can't, don't have access to a vaccine yet. And like, we don't even know when that will be, you know? So like, we're literally only talking about adults. Yeah. And then there's this like, still for those of us with children, like, what do we do? Yeah, now imagine now imagine you're a a healthcare worker right. or an essential worker in a country that can't even get any vaccine. Right. Imagine what that anxiety is like. Right. Right. So now you know that there are people around the world and you're just sitting with that agitation and that, you know, that just that added complexity of like I don't have access to this thing, right? Right. Which is why everybody listening to this right. is going to go to our show notes, is going to go to the Facebook page for the People for Global Vaccine Equity, find this fundraiser, and I'm going to provide a link to it so there'll be no excuse, Yeah, and you are going to donate something, anything. We need to get you some match funding. Get on yeah, it. Let's, let's, talk, let's talk about that. Yeah. Get on that stomping. I'm not very good at fundraising and development, but I know other people who are. (laughs) Well, get the hookup going. Um, So um, that's great. Thank you for posting it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, it feels, I think I, I don't do this always, but it does feel like it's a, it's really good to connect and support people around the world. You know, it's like Mm -hmm. a little something. Yeah. And, and also, just one of the organizations already said it's helping them. So they're so small that just having a little bit of income, this extra income. Yeah. Is, so that's nice to hear. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Right. Yeah. Well, I think it's nice to have a grassroots kind of effort happening with a curated list of organizations. It's not like you're just donating to some random website. You know, that you don't know exactly where your money's going mm-hmm. to. It mm-hmm. sounds like it's been well vetted and um, thought, you know, accompanied, you know, where the money will go to and why it will go to those yeah, organizations. Go, go to the fundraiser site. Look at the links. It's spelled out there. It's very clear. Yeah. This money is going to go and help people. Yeah. Right? Yeah. We are going to stop Jonas Salk. From rolling over in his grave. That's right. Are you sure he's mm-hmm. dead? He's in. He's just flipping over constantly. Can we confirm he's not alive anymore? Oh, he's long. <laughs> yes. He's long gone. <laughs> okay. He was like seventy in nineteen fifty. Okay. Yeah. No, right. I think I think he's. I think he has he's departed. No um, okay. <laughs> all right. Anything else, Risa, that we need to talk about here related to? Your fundraiser related to public health. I think that covers it, except anyone who listens and wants to reach out with like an, an idea uh, related to this, we are all ears. We're just figuring it out as we go. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, because um, I, I would say too, right? Like May 1st is the event that you're 
working towards, but I imagine that this is not going to end on May 1st and no, there it, will be like opportunities still to be involved in this I'm, effort after. I'm glad you said that. Um, you know, if you're listening to this and it's after May 1st, 1st, <laughs> shame on you. Oh my Jesus. <laughs> Second, um, still go to this, the site, right? Um, the fundraiser site. Um, look for these. Look for these organizations that are involved in global vaccine equity, and um, donate something because this problem is not going to go away after May first. This problem is going to continue. Um, disparities in healthcare around the world are going to continue. And it is the moral and right thing for us to do, to do something to try to counteract those inequities and those, those disparities. So I don't care if you're listening to this um, in April of 2025. That's in the future, isn't it? That's way in the future. <laughs> Thank you. Still, this is, we're still going to be struggling with this issue. And you are going to go and find the People's Vaccine Alliance... You're going to find, let me find my notes here, stomping around. Um, you're going to find um, uh, Justice is Global. You're going to find Right to Health Action. You're going to find Public Citizen, okay? Oxfam America. And you're going to donate and you're going to help people. Because it's the right thing to do. Right. Okay. You don't get off the hook because you're listening to this after May 1st, 2021. Awesome. <laughs> right, Stomping Jen? You're like staring into my soul right now. Okay. It's okay. freaking me out. <laughs> this is important. Mm -hmm. I feel intensely about this. I'm not kidding. I can feel your intensity I, from I across have, the room. I have said this before. Yes. Um, I have an undergraduate degree in microbiology. True. I know a thing or two, and I feel connected to Jonas Salk. <laughs> and I want Mr. Salk to stop spinning in his grave oh over all of this. Um, all right. All of these inequities. All right. Risa, yeah. I'm going to transition to a couple of fun questions. Yeah, okay. <laughs> She's like, <"Thank> God. <laughs> All right. My first fun question for you is where is Jonas Salk buried? Oh my God. Oh, man. No, I'm kidding. kidding. He's totally kidding. <laughs> Sorry. He just needed to say Jonas Salk's name one more time. Yes. Um, <laughs> um, Sorry. I've, now you I've, lost your question. I've, I've thrown myself into a loop. I can um, ask the questions because no, no. I know them by heart. Yeah. Uh, so, okay. When you're. Lisa. When you're yes. not working in public health, <laughs> yes. What do you like to do for fun? Thank you. You're welcome. Oh, that is a fun question. I don't. I don't remember. Let's see. Because um, it's late at night now. Oh, let's see. I like to. I just started doing pastels. My COVID mm -hmm. skill is pastels. Oh. I took a online pastel class. Do you do painting or like chalk? Pastel oh, is yes. Pastel like, like is chalk. like a thing. It's own tool. It's like it's like a crayon slash chalk. Why do I think eat. that's paint? It's, it's pastel. <laughs> it's like a it's 
forget it. And also I started to paint a little bit and also partly because my kids moved out. So I have a room where I can put art supplies in one place. So I know where they are when I want to use them. So that's been really fun. So I do that and I really like cooking and that's um, been really nice to do instead of zoom, like, you know, take a break and Mm -hmm. do that. Do you like cooking Um, for people or do you like cooking for yourself? I don't know. I don't know. People. What does that mean? Yeah. Plural person. <laughs> COVID, COVID concept. Um, I like cooking for other people. And my daughter sometimes comes over masked and then I feed her outside and it's so fun. So, mm. um, it's like having a stray. Oh, stop. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> so, yeah, it's hard to answer that because it's like spring and I just got vaccinated. You know, it's like, what will life be like in the next couple months? Yeah. Cool. All right. Our last question. You can ask the question. Yes. Um, And I'm going to make a confession. I cannot lie to our (laughs) podcast audience. I provided this question ahead of time. Oh. Um, Oh. Mostly, okay. yeah, mostly because Risa, Risa mentioned it. We do know each other outside mm-hmm. of this, um, mm-hmm. outside of this episode. You're playing favorites with our guests now. Well, I'm, I'm very grateful. I'm allowed to. I'm the host. I get to oh, choose who apparently who gets the questions apparently. in advance. But Risa, Risa will attest. I did not send any other questions in advance. Okay. 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 It's true. Okay. <laughs> Thank you for lying. Okay. Um, all right. Um, all right. I'm going to ask the question now, Stomping Jen. This is the question that all guests get, and it is the best question we ask always on this show. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Risa, are you ready? Okay. I'm ready. What have you experienced that you cannot explain? So I, I did get to think about it. And first my ideas were, I was like, I don't think this counts as an answer. But then I thought of something late in the day because I truly cannot explain it. When my daughter was very little and we sang one particular song and she sobbed every time we sang it. And so it just made us feel like, did she live another life? How does she know this? Does she know the song? And why does it make her cry? And we could never explain it. Can you share um, the song with us? It was the Rockabye Baby song, that weird lyric song, you know, Rockabye Baby on the treetop. <laughs> but she was an infant. She didn't know the words per se, but... Um, Maybe in a previous life, she was the yeah. baby in the cradle. It got dropped. Okay, that, that could be it. I mean, it was, it was. I felt like the melody really sent her into a place. Um, huh. And so then we wouldn't sing it. But then we'd a month later we'd like let's see so we'd sing it again oh. and she'd cry. So, oh. God, I love <laughs> so that. I cannot answer. explain that. I can't explain it. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Sorry, um, no, I, I tortured my baby. I tried it again. <laughs> I, we stopped after one, 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 one line, but we thought it would go away, you know, oh, or we thought we weren't right. That's but it wasn't super that. funny. That could be That's an awesome story. The scariest slash funniest story we've ever heard on this podcast. Love it. Yeah, I love it. That's a that's a good one. All right. Risa Silverman. Oh. Public health educator and expert, community organizer, 
um, community organizer of the fundraiser called People for Global Vaccine Equity. Thank you for joining us. Thank, thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you for coming on to talk to us about this important project. Yep. Okay. Um, we really we appreciated you coming on here and, and talking to us in a in a in a fun way about a really serious topic. And I hope I hope people listening to this, um, that's you listeners, um, are motivated and inspired to um, contribute to this cause. It's important. Okay. And also participate in the fundraiser. Okay. You've heard there's going to be some really good talent there. Okay. Musicians, poets, speakers from these organizations that you're going to be donating to. Yeah. May 1st. Right. 2021. In case you're listening to this in 2025. And if you're listening to this and you have a vaccine in your arm, okay, you pay that shit forward and give some money to this fundraiser, mm-hmm. okay? Or else I am going to go to Jonas Salk's grave. Oh I am going to stick electrodes into his corpse during a lightning storm. And me and Jonas Salk's animated electrified corpse are going to come and find you. And we're going to deal with you. You can't threaten our listeners. Oh, oh yes, I can. Oh, I can. And I oh, will. Because this is important. All right. Okay? All right. Now, all of that being said, listeners. Oh, uh, we love you. I love you. Yo, after we threaten them. But I got, if you don't help out, I am going to come zombie f- Jonas find Sulk. you with Jonas Sulk. Oh and I'm going to end. I'm, we're all going to say goodbye. And then I'm going to end the podcast on the words of Jonas Sulk oh this God. evening. Okay? Um, Risa, save- would, you, would you like to say goodbye, please, to our guests? Goodbye. Thank you for listening. Oh, I mean, our, sorry, our listeners. I screwed up. Sorry. I'll say goodbye to our listeners. What did you say? Goodbye. That's what I thought you said. I said our guests. No, you didn't. I'm, I'm sure I did. People will verify that when they listen back. Oh I, I was thinking listeners are guests, so that's why I thought it was the same oh, thing. That's but true. thank you very much for listening, and I hope to um, everyone tunes in on me the first. Thank you. Thank you. Stomping Jen. Goodbye. Bye now. Bye now. Bye now. Okay. Um, <laughs> To, to, to my dear listeners, I'm going to say goodbye, and then I'm going to read Jonas Sulk, okay? I'm going to mute Stomping Jen and oh, Lisa, bye. so they can't get any more words in. So it will only be the words of Jonas Sulk to end this podcast, okay? Bye now, my dear listeners, and I leave you with the words of Jonas Sulk. When asked, who owned the polio vaccine? He said, the people, there is no patent. Could you patent the sun? 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 This world of ours, ever growing smaller, must avoid becoming a community of dreadful fear and hate. Those who have freedom will understand also its heavy responsibility. That all who are insensitive to the needs of others will learn charity. And that the sources, scourges of poverty, disease, and ignorance will be made disappear from the earth. And that in the goodness of time, all peoples will come to live together in a peace guaranteed 
by the binding force of mutual respect and love. I shall never cease to do what little I can to help the world advance along that road.